0: This is The Huddle with Dave Wyman, Jake Heaps, and Stacey Ross. No Wyman today. He's out sick, wishing uh, him good health right now. A little bit of a bug going around, so you'll have to excuse my nasally voice as well. (laughs) That time of year. It really is. It's just every (laughs) other person. Uh, All right, so... um, We're going to get started by taking, I will be very brief with this, a very, very brief look back at a pretty heartbreaking loss against the Washington football team, Jake. Um, But uh, we're also going to be looking ahead to an opportunity. A real opportunity against the San Francisco 49ers. So let's start by looking back at that Monday night game against Washington, where once again, you had a pretty solid performance by defense. They were on the field though for 40 minutes uh, compared to the 18 minutes that Seattle's offense possessed the ball in part because Seattle's offense could not convert on third down. They finished four of 12 there for 33%, just a hair above their 32%. Uh, record there during the season, which is last in the league. They've really, really struggled. Why do you think we keep seeing some of those struggles specifically on third down?
1: Well, I mean, part of it is, you know, look, Russell Wilson just you know playing pitch and catch. I mean, there there were a couple times where there were guys open and he just flat missed them. And so it's very jarring to see that that inaccuracy from Russell Wilson, because you really don't know, you know, look, people can point to the finger. I don't believe it's the finger. I think that he is feeling fine. He feels, you know, like he's past that point. But I do think, th- think that there's a lot of other things that are going on in terms of pressing, which leads to him throwing with, you know, not the same mechanics that I'm used to him seeing uh, throw, the normal way that I, I'm used to seeing him throw. Um, it also it leads to, you know, the, the hesitancy and the lack of confidence when he's in the pocket and 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 just, you know, when something bad builds around you, everyone in the world is aware of the third down struggles for this offense. And I think sometimes you can get caught up in the idea of working so hard and wanting so badly to fix it and and, and make it better that that what you end up doing is you start pressing a little bit and you start trying to do too much and you're just over you have this over sense and heightened awareness of the situation, right? And I think that everybody on that offense is caught up in that right now. So they're they're in a bad way when it comes to that front. And then the other thing Stacey is is that in regards to the running game, they they couldn't get anything going. I mean, I know that they only had, what was it? Um ten attempts, what was it? Eighteen attempts in the game. Um, you know, you 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 go to the you go to the stats and I mean, it was it was really bad. I mean, really bad um, from that front. So they had 12 carries, 34 yards. They had it, you know, 2.8 yards per carry. I mean, that's that's absolutely brutal. And and some of that yardage, Stacy. one of those carries was Russell Wilson, you know, tucking and running it uh, for for a first down for, you know, 11, 12 yards. So you take those 12 yards away and the running game was virtually absolutely non-existent. And it more spoke to the fact that the offensive line just couldn't get anything going, more so it was the lack of running attempts.
0: Now I'll say this, in the first... Final minute or so of the game, not only did you see DK Metcalf get his first reception, I think everyone was waiting for that to happen. Very curious that it took so long. But you also saw an offense that was moving down the field a little more efficiently. What were they doing late that worked for them so well? Is it just that Washington was on its heels because they were playing uh, up tempo a little bit more? I mean, what was working for them in that moment? Because they had a chance to come back and tie it.
1: Yeah, I, they did. They did. And and really what happened was is that they started playing prevent defense. They played a little softer. Russell Wilson in those moments, I think does a really great job of using the entire field, um the the checkdowns that are available because the linebackers are dropping really softly in those in those void voided zones and and I thought he managed that drive beautifully. Um and that is also part of the other frustration as well is you know, hey, why don't you go to that sooner? I don't think you can run a successful offense trying to do that uh, a, a lot or the majority time of the game. But when things aren't right, why not Why not change the tempo? Why not change the, the mode in which you're playing? And right now, I see the offense trying to do that in a number of different ways, and they're just not successfully hitting the right button. So it, it, as a whole, Stacey, DK Metcalf has to be targeted earlier. They have to make a more concerted effort to get him the football. That's from the you know, job of, of Shane Waldron himself to Russell Wilson. Um, and, and then the other side of it, though, Stacey, is, is that uh, it is really impressive with all the bad that is going on, and there is plenty of it. But with all of that going on, to see the effort of this team throughout the game, to see the effort of the defense and the way that they stayed with it and stuck with it and came up came up with a big play after big play um, with the offense, with Russell Wilson, with as bad as he played and with that offense as bad as they played, they they went down with the game on the line went out from 97 yards out and ended up putting a scoring drive together with a chance to tie it up at the end. I mean that's really impressive Stacy that is really hard to do and in the NFL when you're 3 and 8 it's really easy to see guys checked out and and I didn't see that at all from from these uh from the Seahawks.
0: Let's talk about what they can take and build on. They're going to be facing off against the San Francisco 49ers. See, you guys, I told you I wouldn't waste too long uh, on the Washington football team. Uh, the 49ers are 6-5 and five this season. Now, they started out uh, as a preseason favorite, though once again ran into a couple uh, injury issues this season. Struggled a little early to start the year, though they've had some pretty impressive wins of late, including one against the Rams. They are 2-4 and four at home, 4-1 and one on the road. Meanwhile, the Seattle Seahawks, they're back at Lumen Field for this one though. They're the one in four at home. I don't like that split. However, Jake, the Seahawks will be facing a 49ers team that doesn't have Debo Samuel and won't have Fred Warner either catching a lucky break there.
1: Who a uh, big time break. I mean, honestly, you talk about those two players. Those are the two most important players for the San Francisco 49ers. And people are like, wait, what But you didn't, you didn't mention Nick Bosa's name. You didn't mention Taron, uh, Taren Armstead's name, uh, Tarek Armstead. Yeah. No, it, it isn't either one of those players. It, it's Fred Warner and it's, and it's Debo Samuel. Debo Samuel on the offensive side of the ball, you look at the resurgence of the 49ers, Stacey, and they've gotten things back in terms of, you know, really putting an emphasis in the run game and putting Jimmy Garoppolo in better positions. But Debo Samuel has been the major playmaking weapon for them. He's been the main touchdown getter for them over this stretch of three games, Stacey, where they've been able to score over 30 points a game. So missing him, a part of that, makes them them a little bit more one-dimensional in terms of what they're able to do and how they're able to attack, and that is... Obviously, to the benefit of the Seahawks, and then you flip that over to Fred Warner, Stacey, in my opinion, he's the he's arguably the best linebacker in the game with what he brings to the table in terms of the run game, in terms of the passing game. He is absolutely stellar. He is the glue to that entire defense. And with the group that doesn't have a ton of superstars across the board and are dealing with a number of different injuries... They have been a top six defense in this league, largely due to Fred Warner, his presence and his leadership.
0: All right, if we're looking at what the Seahawks have to do offensively and defensively against San Francisco, offensively, easy, improve on third down. You cannot continue to be abysmal there. Pete Carroll, when asked, what's the problem with the offense? What's the problem with Russell Wilson? What's the problem with all of this? Says, look, it starts and ends with third down. We can't get to our plays. We can't move down the field. We can't score if we can't stay on the field. If we can't control the ball, we need to be better There, We know what the challenge is on offense. How about on defense, though? The challenge is going to be to stop who?
1: The challenge is really going to be to, to stop their run game. That's going to be the challenge. Because if you look at the San Francisco 49ers, their run game over the last three games... Has really exploded for them. Uh, they they have really made a more concerted effort to start running the football, um, and and they've been very very successful with it. And they've got a great group uh, to to be able to get it done uh, up front and with their with Kyle Usechek, their fullback uh, George Kittle. I mean, they are fully committed to it, and they they are getting after it. They had 156 yards uh, against the Rams. You, you look at this most recent game uh, against the the Vikings, and um, and. Uh, and their running back, Mitchell, he had 133 yards on the ground. That's so right,
0: and a score.
1: Yeah, and over 208 yards on the ground as a, as a whole. So uh, you just look at that part of it, and that's really what they're going to have to stop, Stacey. It's going to be all about the running game putting it on Jimmy Garoppolo's shoulders, and if they can do that, they've got a great chance to win.
0: Now, one thing that's interesting is we're so used to talking about a San Francisco team, and, and you pointed to this earlier, that starts with this defensive line that's built around the defensive line that features Nick Bosa, and it's stopping scoring, it's stopping the pass, most especially. They allowed 26 points from the Vikings. The Vikings, at 5 and 6, aren't the best team in the NFC, but they've certainly got more healthy weapons right now than a lot of other teams, uh, particularly in Seattle, where they can't get much of anything going on offense. So I am not saying there's an opportunity here uh, for the Seahawks against the San Francisco's uh, San Francisco defense, but it sounds like there's an opportunity here.
1: There is. There, there is a definite opportunity. Absolutely. I mean, you talk about this last game being a heartbreaker because Washington, I thought, was a, an opponent that the Seahawks absolutely had a chance to win and, and, and maybe turn things around a little bit more. Um, but it, the 49ers in this group, they play hard. They play physical. They play tough. Um, so this is definitely going to be a challenge for the Seahawks. They The, the 49ers, feel good about the direction that they're heading in right now. And th- they are very different from the Seahawks. Their organization in that building, it's buzzing. They're feeling good. They're in contention for the playoffs, all those different things. For the Seahawks, they are more in a position where they are trying to figure things out and trying to get their group on both sides of the ball to play together and 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 play better. So uh, if you're talking about this from an offensive standpoint, because really with the Seahawks, that's been the main struggle there is a good opportunity here for you with Fred Warner being out to be able to potentially get that. All
0: down. right, the preview is just starting. Seahawks taking on the 49ers this Sunday at Lumenfield, returning back home for a game against a divisional foe. We're going to be talking to uh, some players today. Cody Barton, D. Eskridge going to join us, as well as some Seahawks experts. Ray Roberts, Steve Rabel, voice of the Hawks. Everyone's uh, joining us for a two-hour preview of this upcoming game. Don't go anywhere. Cody Barton's next. This is the huddle with Dave Wyman, Jake Heaps, and Stacey Ross. No Wyman today, but Jake and I are going to help you guys get ready with a two hour preview of the Seahawks' upcoming game against the San Francisco 49ers. We're going to be speaking with linebacker Cody Barton in just a couple minutes here. Practice just wrap, players still coming off the field. Jake, before we grab Cody and talk to him about this defense, let's talk to you about this defense and what the Seahawks have uh, been able to do there. Now, they've been on the field a ton. Uh, Seahawks are the worst team in time of possession in the league, and against Washington, Seattle's defense was on the field for 40 minutes. You've seen, though, a pretty solid game, limiting Washington to 17 points. They've limited opponents to, I think, uh, no more than 23 or so over the last several contests, so they've really improved there. When you talk about stats that you're looking at stats that you don't love what's a stat that tells you a lot about where the defense is right now
1: well a stat that tells me a lot about where the defense is at I mean I'll, I'll give you a positive and then I'll give you a negative <laughs> and they kind of work work away from each other but the positive is is that they are doing a great job in third down and red zone and that really matters and that is you know the two biggest keys in terms of any defense is can you get people off the field when it calls for it and then when it comes down to getting in the red zone it's really important to to hold teams to field goals instead of touchdowns. All right,
0: well, I know exactly who to ask about that, and that is linebacker Cody Barton, who joins us now, fresh out of practice. Cody, how's it going?
2: Good. How are you guys doing? Thanks for having me.
0: Of course. Thanks for joining us. We were just talking about what this defense has been doing so well. You guys have really been buckling down in the red zone. I mean, how how do the rules, from a very basic standpoint, how does the mindset and the rules kind of change when you get inside the 20?
2: Yeah, I mean it's a mentality once they once they start getting in that red zone you know you got to you got to buckle down and you know at all costs once they're once they're down to the 20 you know keep them the field goals if anything you know we really got to defend that end zone and and the last thing we want to do is give up a touchdown
1: you know Cody the the one thing that's been really interesting is watching the defense evolve as the season has gone on and really trying to find your way and 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 really figure out what works What is that process like and what has that been like with with the guys in the locker room on that side of the ball you know as you guys have worked through some of those issues and have really kind of found your way and starting to get things to click a little bit
2: yeah i mean just looking back on the season you know that's just i guess it's kind of like life too i mean as as you go through this season or this journey whatever you want to call it um you know you learn a lot about yourself a lot about this team and and you grow together and learn from from the mistakes and learn from the wins as well and um you know, every game you're, you're learning something and growing together. And, um, you know, as time's gone on, you know, everything's starting to get cleaned up and everything's starting to click.
1: Cody, who would you attribute that to? Is there, is there you know, a couple guys that you point to and say, man, they've been instrumental in this or the, the coaching staff? I mean, who, who, in your opinion, what is, who has been reflective of that?
2: Honestly, I feel like it's, it's, it's been all of us as a collective group, um, you know, players and coaches. And just coming after games, win or loss, and, you know, holding each other accountable, holding yourself accountable. And through that, we've been able to grow and, and grow the defense.
0: Cody, uh, you guys don't have an easy job against San Francisco, especially when you're a linebacker. Um, I know that you uh, do a lot on special teams, but uh, defensively, you guys have to worry about Kittle. You've got to worry about their run game. I mean, what specifically in those two areas, with, with Kittle and then with the run, does San Francisco do well?
2: Yeah, I mean, in the run game, you know, they got a dynamic run game. They like to run the ball a lot. Um, they got all kinds of looks, all kind of motions, stuff like that. And they use they use Kittle a lot. He's a, he's a great blocker. And then also with Kittle, um, his pass art as well, you know, his routes and stuff. He's overall just a good player. And they got their fullback. He's a really good player. And so, I mean, as a team, they, they, they have a good offense, and it's going to be a good matchup. Cody,
1: uh, I where were you when you found out that or, that uh, Utah just absolutely laid it down on Oregon?
2: Uh, We were, it was a Saturday, we were in our team, we were about to go to our uh, night meetings, and the game kind of bled into our night meetings, Um, what was it, a couple weeks ago or something like that? Yeah. Yeah, so... I was giving, you know, Ugo. Uh, he went to Oregon, so we were we were kind of talking about who's going to win the game, kind of giving each other some crap, and and then all of a sudden he shows up and shows me the score of the game, and I was like, holy crap! <laughs> <laughs> I,
1: it, it was it was absolutely amazing. I'm surprised Ugo even showed you the game. If I was Ugo, I would have hit that score from like, you no, as long no, I mean, as I could.
0: You guys are losing. This game is done. <laughs>
2: He was talking a big game before the game even started, so uh, he was kind of, he was like, hey, you called it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'm funny. shocked you guys didn't have some kind of bet going. I know um, a reporter who had to, a cook who had to wear like a duck costume. You guys didn't have anything oh, like yeah, that? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: <laughs> That'd be fun. Make him wear a Utah jersey?
0: Yeah, exactly.
2: <laughs> so maybe maybe for this uh, I think they play they played this Friday I think for the pacto Championship.
0: You'll have to you you'll have to get something going this time around. You you really gotta do that, Cody. You gotta make sure that there's maybe like a jersey uh, not a swap because he'll not want to keep it. But you got to make sure that he there's some kind of punishment here for a former duck. Yeah, there's I'll, I'll think be. of
2: something. I'll think of something. <laughs>
1: uh, Cody, well, how about you know with special teams as well? I mean, it, it's been an area that I know you guys take a lot of pride in, and it's been really fun to watch uh, you in particular on special teams. Um, but how that seems to be a, a, a an area that also has kind of gone through that transformation as the season has progressed, getting. Better and better each week.
2: Yeah, I mean, like you said, you know, we take we take a lot of pride in our special teams, and um, you know, we're a tight knit unit, and we just I think what makes us all special is that we're always we're all competing to see who's going to make the play, and we're all trying to get down there fast. Who's going to run down there fastest? Who's going to make the most tackles? You know what I mean? Just everything we're doing, and we're trying to compete for it, and and at the same time, we're having a lot of fun doing it, and so it's just. I mean, we have a lot of fun on special teams.
1: Uh, Cody, as a quarterback, there was a part of me that I was always grateful that I never had to participate in special teams because it just seemed like, you know, it was the craziest guys that were on special teams and it was...
0: You're not telling (laughs) Cody about the time, Jake.
1: No, no, no. We don't even talk about that. Uh, But, but, uh, you know, what is that mentality like and what is it? Is it just pure chaos as you guys are going down there, running on kickoffs, running on punt coverage, all of that?
2: Yeah, that's actually – that's a pretty good way to put it, kind of chaos. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's super fast, super high impact because, I mean, everyone's getting a 40-yard-plus, a you know, head start. And so, I mean, there's a lot of high-impact plays. Everything's all fast, fast reads. Everyone's flying around, bodies flying. And so, I mean, you've got to be a little different to be, you know, to thrive on special teams, but it's – I mean, it's fun.
1: Yeah, it is fun. Hey, uh, Cody, I almost forgot. I wanted to ask. you. I can't believe I almost forgot this. But uh, I, I know in the off seasons, or at least you have, you've you've worked on, um, you know, just the mental side of the game and, and playing chess and found it. You know, playing chess with uh, Seth Mikowski. Uh, I actually know him pretty well. Uh, can you talk about? You know, how did you get into that?
2: Yeah. So a good buddy of mine, who's also part of my agency that I'm with. He somehow got in touch with Seth a couple of years ago and connected us because he knows I'm always trying to explore different ways um, to up my game, whether it's mentally, physically, or whatever. And so he got us in touch, and then you know, I talked to him on the phone one time to get to know him, and then ever since then we've just been – we talk all the time. You know, we still, we still play chess and here and there, but, I mean, we still talk all the time. We're friends, and that's funny, you know. That's a small world.
1: It is. It is. Seth, as Seth actually told me, uh, you know, make sure to tell you hi. But um, why why is chess a way to get better from a football perspective? It's
2: not the game of chess itself, I guess. I mean, I'm going to try my best to explain it. It's, it's like the thought process and, like, your decision-making, um, strategizing, If that makes sense. You know what I mean? It's like more of your thought process.
1: Yeah, that's awesome.
0: All right. He is Seahawks linebacker Cody Barton. Cody, we appreciate you taking the time, man. Good luck this weekend.
1: Thank you. I appreciate you guys. Thanks, Cody.
0: Now, next time we'll have to ask Cody to ask you what happens when a quarterback is put on special teams.
1: (laughs) We we don't need to know the answer to that. I
0: think we do.
1: Jake. No, Stacy. We don't we need don't, to get into okay? it right now. We're gonna leave that deep buried, the buried in the past stories. in two thousand six on the Skyline High School football field.
0: Don't go anywhere. D. Eskridge is joining us next on the huddle. This is the huddle with Dave Wyman, Jake Heaps, and Stacey Ross. Joining us right now from Seahawks headquarters, right out of practice, is wide receiver D. Eskridge. D, how's it going?
3: It's going well. How you doing?
0: I'm well. I haven't really had a chance to, to talk to you much uh, because you've been injured, and and finally you're back. You finally have a chance to get out there. But let me tell you what, D. We talked with your uh, college coach, who was so excited about what you could do at this level. Uh, it was clear that he felt that you were like one of the best players he's coached. I'm, I'm not, I, I'm not just paraphrasing what he's saying. There really was a lot of uh, real sentiment there. I mean, uh, do you feel like, even though it's been a couple months now, you're you're just now getting a chance to prove yourself
3: yeah this has been a lot of adversity um that's came my way my first year which I'm okay with you know starting out starting out this way you know it's gonna make me tougher and stronger for the long run um so yeah now that I'm able to get back out there you know I've just continued to do the things that I started out doing you know always working hard um keeping my foot keeping myself grounded you know so I just keep on attacking
1: D, what was that like, that process? I mean, you know, being out with a concussion is so different from everything else because, you know, it, it, it's these are different injuries and, and easier ways to get back from Whereas a concussion. It's so up in the air. But how did you handle that process? And, you know, was there ever a time where you ended up getting frustrated or, or you know, uh, upset that you couldn't get back out there sooner?
3: Yeah, it was definitely, the whole process was definitely frustrating. Um, but, you know, I didn't, I always just told myself I didn't really have a choice. You know, I couldn't, I couldn't stop where I was at, you know, just because of the concussion and things that I was dealing with. So, you know, it was, it was a vigorous process. You know, I put in a lot of work that a lot of people outside of this facility don't really know what I did to come back. So, you know, I'm just happy that I got through it and happy that I'm back on the field now.
0: Yeah, that's the thing is I remember Pete Carroll at a press conference saying, oh, D's back in town. And I was thinking, D's back in town? Where'd he go, and then we learned that you went to see a vision specialist in Florida I mean what was all of that like
3: yeah it was, it was definitely it was definitely tough. We was doing just um just a lot of eye reconfiguration um, and just a lot of just brain things to help me get my senses back to where they needed to be to perform at a high level at wide receiver, you know, because it's a lot of things that um, with hand eye coordination, um, being able to anticipate things, and those were the things that I was struggling with. So, you know, the doc- Dr. Antonucci um, in Florida, he just came up with a plan. We just came up with a plan, and we just attacked it um, every day, all day, the time that I was there.
0: scale of 1 to 100 percentage wise where are you at right now
3: I would say I'm 100
1: now D you know now that you've been back and you've been cleared um, you know it, it's been a process you know getting back into the swing of things and and getting more reps and opportunities to get on the field you know what has it been like for you each week and and you know building towards you know feeling 100 percent not just physically but mentally with this offense
3: yeah you know i just i really rely on Russ a lot um you know i come in early with him um still like i started out doing and you know i just i just constantly just ask questions with him and allow myself to rely on him to um for him to be able to put me in the best position you know so i just feed off of him feed off of my coach and the guys in the room and you know just finding my role um since i've missed so much time and coming back to this team so I would say some along the lines of that.
0: What's your relationship like right now with some of those other receivers, particularly uh, Tyler and DK?
3: I would say I would say we're close. We're a tight knit group in that in that room. Um, You know, we we get each other better. You know, we talk about things, and, you know, we're not really uh, afraid to hold our tongue when it comes to each other. So I would say it's a a close-knit group.
0: Now, are you being, you're the new guy, are you being peer pressured? Is DK trying to get you to dye the hair green? You know what I mean? Is Tyler (laughs) trying to get you to coordinate some dances?
3: I wouldn't say DK's is trying to get me to uh, dye my hair green, but Tyler is trying to get me to dance a little bit more.
0: No, and, the, and so he's saying, okay, you need is he saying, like, hey, when we're doing warm-ups, you just need to be more animated, or is he saying we need to coordinate your first touchdown celebration?
3: um it's maybe a little bit of both you know he always got great energy all day
0: yeah
3: I would say it's a little bit of both
0: Oh, he's funny man
1: yeah Tyler is a funny guy and and you know being in the locker room with him he's also a very calming presence what is it like the, the 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 stark difference between DK and Tyler and how has that been beneficial for you to see that there are different styles not just in size but approach as well
3: yeah I would say it helps me it helps me a lot just because I feel like me and d k are similar when it comes to the the attributes that we have when it comes to speed power and physicality and things like that and then Tyler on the other hand he's he's pretty much all mental he knows what's going to happen before it's going to happen and he's able to react in a in a successful way so I feel like me being able to get some things from DK and then get some things from Tyler, um, that I don't necessarily well that I'm working towards having, you know, I feel like that's gonna that's gonna create someone uh, aptly athlete in me to where, you know, I didn't I didn't show that side in college. Yeah. So, you know, I feel like it'll be it'll be great for the future of me, being able to Um, apply those things that I've learned from these two.
0: Now, have you had a moment this year where it felt like someone was really trying to help you out and you thought, wow, this is a cool moment? Like, I remember talking with Trey Flowers when he was here and he said uh, when Brandon Marshall, who was here for a little bit, um, pulled him aside and was doing, like, one-on-one drills with him and he was just kind of in awe of what what was happening, felt like it was a cool opportunity. Dee, have you had a moment this year where maybe Russell Wilson pulls you aside and works one-on-one, DK, anything like that?
3: Yeah, definitely, definitely Russ. Uh, you know, we're just constantly working on details, constantly talking things out um, about this look or that look and just really just talking football and then a lot of things about life as well. So, you know, that's that's pretty often when it comes to Russ. You know, that's, that's who he is. And then DK as well and Tyler. So, you know, we we do that pretty often
1: the it's, it's no supri- no mistake that the uh, the offense has really struggled so far this season but you know from your perspective uh, seeing it and seeing how these guys have, are, are handling it and how you guys as a group are handling it what what do you think you know fans should know about the way the offense is approaching it uh, during the week
3: I mean, we're not gonna stop. it's always you know we're always trying to push forward, um not really worried about too much in the past, you know, because at the end of the day, it doesn't matter from this point forward um so we just we always just being where we are, you know, what can we work on to get better from the things that we we did see from the last week's prior um and just keep on getting better in some type of way, one percent better each day. You know, I just feel like that's the that's the type of energy we have on this offense, even though it hasn't been going as well.
0: Yeah, it hasn't been uh, going as well, especially on third down, and I know you guys know that. Has that been a special focus for you guys this week?
3: Yeah, definitely. Yeah, we're, we're constantly just working on – on all phases, honestly, because nothing's perfect and nothing will be perfect, so we're just constantly just hammering down what we need to do, the details of what we're doing.
1: Do you get any sense of uh, of panic, or do you feel like there's a good a good presence about the way that everybody's trying to handle everything?
3: I feel like it's a good presence, because in football, you know, this is you don't win everything, you know, and there's, there's times where, like, losing, you know, we've been here before, so, you know, we just just constantly just keeping our foot, one foot in front of another.
0: All right. He is D. Eskridge, wide receiver for the Seahawks. D, you know what this means, though, is now when you do get your first touchdown, I'm personally going to be expecting that that Tyler and you will have worked something out with like a dance or a celebration move. I mean, man, you're setting the bar high right now. You should never have told us this. <laughs>
3: Yeah, we'll see about that. (laughs) All right, all right. Well,
0: have fun this Sunday, man.
3: (laughs) All right. Thank you, guys.
1: Thanks, D
0: he is wide receiver, D. Eskridge. Really excited to see him. Uh, he said he's at 100% as he continues to get out there uh, and and just be incorporated into this offense. I remember just how excited uh, a lot of people were to see what he would be in this system. You had an offensive coordinator coming from the Rams offense uh, and, a, and a wide receiver that seemed like he was a perfect fit for that type of offense. And yeah. You haven't quite seen the marriage work out so far because he's missed so much time and, and the offense is trying to get firing on all cylinders. So I'm very curious to see uh that marriage finally happened. all right uh coming up next we are going to be joined by seahawks.com reporter john boyle let's get updated on the latest injuries to this team that's next this is the huddle with dave wyman jake heaps and stacy ross we are getting you guys ready for the seahawks upcoming game against the san francisco 49ers that one back at lumen field this sunday uh now jake we've talked to uh cody barton to figure out what's going on with defense. All of that was very interesting. Asked him about red zone defense, buckling down inside the 20s. Uh, we talked to D. Eskridge um, to ask him about how he's acclimating to the offense now that he's healthy. Says he's at 100%. And now we're going to talk with uh, John Boyle, who's a reporter for Seahawks.com, covering this team, knows it inside and out. John, how's it going?
4: It's going pretty good.
0: How are you guys doing? Uh, well, we just talked, I just mentioned with uh, with Cody Barton and D. Eskridge to get uh, a bit of a look at both sides of the ball here. But um, I'm wondering if we could take kind of a holistic approach first with you, which is to say this is certainly not where the Seahawks expected to see themselves. I don't know how much there is uh, to play for in terms of trying to push for uh, the playoffs. They're still technically alive, but you certainly just want to get a win for if nothing else, a feeling of getting back on the right track here.
4: Yeah, for sure. I mean, look, these guys—they want to win every game from here out, and they're going to keep playing for playoff spots until you know the math says they can't get it. But they also probably understand internally that that's really tough odds at this point. But you're right—they just—they need to get one for themselves, just to. You know, these are all competitive guys. They're you know, especially guys who've been here a long time, guys who are not used to losing at all you know they're, they're winning 10 12 games a season so yeah it's you know i i don't think there's any sense of guys you know giving up or you know just coasting through the season they're all fighting hard still and in the right place mentally but yeah they, they got to get some things right and start winning games
1: well and that's certainly the mindset it seems like of the front office and pete carroll as well because they went and signed uh adrian peterson uh and uh john what did you make of that signing and what could it hopefully do for the team
4: yeah i mean we'll we'll see how he you know how ready he is he's you know I know he did play earlier this year, but he's been out of football for you know whatever it is a month or two now so might have a little bit of rust to knock off and learn some some of the offense stuff, but I mean he he gives them even you know we're not going to pretend he's all pro MVP level Adrian Peterson probably at this point, but he's still a physical back and you know we've seen them struggle in some of those short yard situations. They, they missed a couple of them last week in the running game, so maybe he's a guy that it wants to get up to speed, if you want to bring him off the practice squad and give you some some just physical play and some you know, some extra punch there. And then we heard Russell Wilson just talking about he, he's a veteran. He knows how to, you know, prepare. He knows how to work. And it's just some of that can be a good example for some young guys as well, of just sort of how to go about his business the right way.
0: Speaking of Russell Wilson, he's certainly come under a lot of scrutiny. I mean, struggles on third down. The offense as a whole struggling. So it's all understandable. Now what makes it tough is he's coming back from a finger injury, right? So you're like, well, how much is not being healthy? How much is missing time? And how much is just making uh, weird mistakes we're not used to seeing? And I don't think any of us know the answer right now. But um, when you guys have asked Russell Wilson about you know what he's working on or his mindset moving forward, what has he said?
4: I mean in terms of his mindset he's just all about getting it right. I mean he's talks about he's a guy and he's right about this that throughout his career he's been good at fixing things when you know, whether it was a stretcher's career where third down was bad or he was turning the ball over a little bit too much. He's always been a guy that, you know, you put a challenge to him, he tends to get it right and I think he'll do that here too. He's you know, we've seen some really good throws out of him, especially the last two games where you see and you're like, okay, that looks like rust. You know, that, that ball he threaded into Gerald Everett for the touchdown was great. He's thrown some really good deep balls the last two games. So he can make the throws. There's been a few that have gotten away, you know, especially we've seen some of those quick, you know, where he's trying to rip it, quick pass to Gerald Everett on third down or something like that where they just sail on him a little bit. So whether that's, you know, a little bit of rust he's knocking off or whatever else it is, you know, no one's quite sure. At least they're they're not saying yet, but, I have full confidence that we're going to, you know, as the season goes along, we're going to see him get better and look more like Russell Wilson.
0: Hey, I want to get back to the running backs. We talked about Adrian Peterson being signed here and TBD as to uh, what he's going to contribute. I mean, certainly uh, someone to learn from for the other running backs in the room. One of the other running backs is Rashad Penny. Uh, John, I was. I don't want to say surprised, but um, it was curious to say Pete Carroll say, no, Penny not heading to IR right now. He's injured, but we're going to wait to see how he looks. What's your understanding of where Penny's at in, in his recovery and, and maybe the probability he'll be back this week?
4: Yeah, you know, I, I wouldn't begin to be able to get a you know, good probability and pretend like I know what I'm talking about. But I think it's just that they want to wait and make sure, you know, they don't want to make this call too soon, because I'm like, you know, earlier when you put him on IR the first time, it's that three-week thing. But you put a guy on IR a second time, right. he's done. So I don't think they want to shut him down for the year. If, if they do think he's going to get back relatively soon, they want to get him that shot. Um, it's, it's so unfortunate. You know, we've seen kind of the, the tantalizing talent when he was healthy, and I think they just want to give him every shot to try to show it one more time here before the season's over. But you know, I I would guess it's you know a week by week thing. And if they think he can get back fairly soon, you keep him around. And if it doesn't look like it's going to happen soon, and you need that roster spot for an Adrian Peterson or anyone else, then maybe at some point you got to make that decision. But right now they're healthy enough, you know across the total roster that they don't need to rush to make that move to get you know, their roster spot
1: john there was obviously a lot that was going wrong for the offense in this game against washington but you look at the defense and the job that they did in the second half and and really the effort that they game gave all game long it wasn't perfect but man they did come up with some big stops when they needed it uh what does that say about this defense
4: yeah, I mean I, I think we've seen some really good things out of this defense for a while and just really, you know, just kind of that the heart, if you will, or the grid or whatever you wanna call it, that they've been on the field a ton has been well documented and that that'll I mean, I know guys aren't guys don't wanna throw each other under the bus and you're not gonna hear defensive players complain about, it, but you, you just can't tell me that playing seventy five plays a game isn't getting tiring on them, especially late in games. And to see them in that fourth quarter they have those three third and short stops, and then they get the fourth down by literally as close a margin as you can get where they got to go review it, but Jamal Adams makes a really good play just get that fourth down stop at the goal line and, and gives the offense a chance and make that an impressive drive they put together.
0: Yeah, that was a, Jamal Adams, uh, his second pick of the year and his season's just been improving. What have you been seeing from him in terms of why things are clicking and why he's improved? Oh, nope. we might have lost John there. Yep. Uh, we'll, like we'll work to see if we can get him back, but just a couple minutes left here. Jake, I'll throw you the question actually, just to say, you know, Jamal Adams got his second pick this one against Taylor Heineke. Uh, it wasn't really his strong suit, his strong suit last year was sacks. He hasn't been getting to the quarterback as much, but you've seen him improve as the year has gone on. Um, is that translating to you outside of just stats? You're seeing it with your eyes, the Jamal Adams that's playing better?
1: Well, in certain aspects, I mean, the one thing that really I don't like is the, um, is the run by J.D. McKissick that happened in the Washington game and seeing Bobby Wagner and Jamal Adams, the effort that they gave on that play, to me, uh, I – I was not thrilled about that. But after that, I mean, I thought that they, I thought for the most part in the game, Jamal Adams had played extremely well, had been given a ton of energy, um, and, and, you know, laying big hits and doing all those things. So for the most part, I mean, I've been really happy with what Jamal has done and what he, in in terms of what he has been asked to do. Um, I, I, I think he's done a really good job up to this point. And, um, you know, outside of a couple, you know, big mistakes that's happened throughout the year, um, I think Jamal Adams has has played the role exceptionally well. And again, it just comes down to usage being more of the reason why you know Jamal hasn't consistently made some of these game-changing, big-time, impactful plays uh, that we saw him make a ton last year. But definitely seeing him start to get some of those interceptions, starting to get two now, uh, is an encouraging sign. And and hopefully he'll get some more uh, as time goes on. And I know in that building, you know, being in that room, Stacey, you have any opportunity when you got tips and overthrows, you got to get those. And Uh, that is the mantra of that defense. I like
0: that it rhymes. I appreciate and respect that. Uh, I mentioned that we would get to injuries with John Boyle. We lost John. He's al- he's like alive. He's still yeah. He's he's still still with he's still us. With yes. us. Um, he's just not on the phone right now, but that's okay. We'll let him go because we just have a couple things. Hopefully Mrs. Boyle
5: didn't tune in right uh, there. <laughs> like, oh, no.
0: Oh, God. Uh, no, John's okay. John's okay. Um, but I'm going to go ahead and go over that injury report anyways just so you guys have it. Only one player mispracticed yesterday. That is guard Kyle Fuller. I know he's center, but he filled in at guard in place of Lewis. He has an equal injury. Uh, limited, it's a full list here. I'm just going to read right through them. Gabe Jackson, Damian Lewis, DK Metcalf, Alex Collins, Rashad Penny, Brandon Shell, Dwayne Brown, Carlos Dunlap. The last two guys there, Brown and Dunlap. Just resting veterans, so I wouldn't worry about those two. I also wouldn't worry about DK Metcalf who's been on and off the injury report with a foot injury. He's always managed to play. Uh, if I'm, uh, you guys, I'm looking at Damian Lewis to see if he can get back. I'm also keeping an eye on that abdomen injury for Alex Collins. He's been dealing with kind of a hip abdomen injury. Make Sure, he can get back. And Rashad Penny, uh, I'm I'm also watching him to see if he could get back.
1: Yeah, the, I mean it's it's one of those things where you talk about the running back group, and that is obviously an area where you are concerned about the overall depth and everything else. Um, but Stacy, overall, I mean, I think it's uh, it's a very good, positive uh, injury chart at this point in the season.
0: All right, uh, John did get back to me and said his phone just dropped the call. Um, I'm I'm too afraid to tell him we may have told people implied that he died (laughs) i'm not gonna say anything well he
1: might hear about it later so you might want to tell him he's gonna
0: be fine don't tell john anything this doesn't leave this room okay no (laughs) one needs to know about it anyways that is the seahawks injury report and the latest from seahawks.com reporter john boyle coming up next we are heading in the trenches uh figure out what's going on with this o-line not just health but how they can improve for the rest of the year with ray roberts he joins us next You are listening to The Huddle with Dave Wyman, Jake Heaps, and Stacey Ross. Dave Wyman out sick today, so Jake and I will be previewing the Seahawks upcoming game against the San Francisco 49ers, but we're going to get some help right now because an expert is joining us. We're going in the trenches with Ray Roberts, a former lineman, current NFL analyst himself. Ray, what's up?
6: Nothing much. Just uh, hanging out here on the East Coast a little bit. uh, That game in And Washington was so bad, I had to hang out in D.C. for just a little (laughs) bit longer to get over
0: (laughs) Had to recover.
6: (laughs)
4: Yes.
0: Um, Hey, so I I actually do want to start. I know we talked to you about everything. We don't just stick to the offensive line. But I do want to start with the offensive line for this one, which is, to say that when you're looking at struggles on offense, Ray, I know some of this stuff is, is easy for you to pick apart. I think for the casual viewer, they're like, I don't know where to start. I'm saying Russell Wilson overthrow people. Sometimes it seems like receivers aren't open. Other times it seems like the run game can't get going and the offensive line is struggling. Just, where does all of this start for you?
6: You know what, like, obviously, you know, I've been big as a defender of the offensive line and, and uh, you know, really trying to bring some light into what's happening up there. But I'll be honest with you, they've kind of left me at a loss for words. I think a, a lot of guys up there have underperformed. Uh, they haven't been able to play together as a unit. It's been five separate dudes playing football at the same time. And, uh, and so we've said it before in weeks past that, you know, every play it just seems like a different player is taking turns not getting the job done. And so when that happens, you don't have consistency within the drive. You don't have consistency within quarters. You don't have consistency from half to half. And so so it's all hit and miss. And so that's why you end up with a bunch of three and outs because then you and they missed a lot. And so, you know, there's a lot of blame to go around. You can blame Russell for – holding the ball too long or not seeing an open guy and going for bigger plays, which you can also blame the offensive line for giving up, uh, you know, uh, uh, the pressure just comes too fast, you know? And so you have to make a really quick decision, you know? And so then you kind of go, you tend to fall back to, you know, your comfort zone and if in his comfort zone, maybe to hold on to the ball a little bit, or, you know, maybe get the ball out to the, you know, you know, try to make big plays with Tyler and DK to get something happening. So, to me, it's just, it's kind of a, you know, what my sisters would always call the hot mess. And uh, in some way, you just have to figure out uh, at this point. I don't think it's about figuring out what the offense is or what it's not. It's about just figuring out a way each game to win the game. Mm. So if that's throwing the ball, if that's running the ball, if it's a combination of those things, if it's play action pass, if it's drop-back pass, if it's screens, if it's, you know, short routes, deep routes. You have to figure out early in the game what is there for you to take, and then just
7: go take it.
1: Yeah, I, I, I am right there with you, Ray. 100 percent on that last part because one of the things, and I don't, I, I wonder what your response was to this because you know when, when the game ended and and Pete Carroll talked about it post game, and then he and then he came back after watching the film on Monday and said. Well, we got to run the ball more. Uh, it just as blanket of a statement as that. And I looked at that game, right, and I watched the film, and I'm like, How can you you say that running the game, running the ball? They were getting manhandled, absolutely dominated. And and I understand it's a philosophy, it's an identity, it's a want to. But I mean, in that game, clearly it wasn't going to happen, no matter what the attempts were. I mean, do you see that the same way, or do you do you, do you disagree? I mean, I really, really would love to hear what you had to say on that.
6: Yeah, I'm I'm right there with you Jake and uh because I don't know how you can watch the film and just say you need to run it more unless just for the sake of trying to create an identity of some kind uh that you that you want to run the ball. The one thing that he did say that might be a little bit nuanced in it is that he was talking about the rhythm of things. And so like, you mm. know, maybe cuz he even identified that Washington had run the ball, you know, how many ever times, 40 times. But they only averaged three point eight yards a carry, so it's not like it's not like their yards per carry was killing it. But they were, but by them running the ball, it kept rhythm to their offense. And so that's the thing that, that I kind of thought that he was trying to speak to because the idea of saying like, oh, we need to run the ball because we're crushing it running the ball, that that wasn't happening, and it just it just wasn't happening. Dudes were just getting you know uh, you know manhandled, like you said, uh, the running back was having to make cuts, you know, in the backfield. The, even when they had some success uh, running, it was inconsistent. And so what I took from that is, in his mind, to keep the offense in rhythm and on tempo, uh, that the running, they needed to run the ball more to kind of satisfy that desire.
0: Related, what do you make of the Adrian Peterson signing?
6: You know, it's just interesting. It just, it to honestly, to me, like if if I'm a, a an opponent of the Seahawks, man, that it just it just screams desperation mm. to me. And so and so, then if I was the other team, I'd be licking my chops. It's like you, either the Seahawks, you have people right where they want them, or uh, or it's just going to be a long rest of the season. To me, to me, there's, I mean, I don't know what he's going to come in and provide. You know, maybe the threat of what he was in the past, but what you've seen in the last couple of years, there's nothing about Adrian Peterson that makes you feel threatened by what he can bring to the table. So uh to me it's it seems like a kind of a desperate move. And to me I think opponents are gonna are gonna be like sharks and, and smell like, you know, the blood in the water. Yeah,
1: and, and that comes down to an interesting question, Ray, is now, you know, with six games remaining, you know, your playoff chances are I mean, I don't even know why you bring up playoffs at this point I mean,
0: it's alive not mathematically.
1: Sh- sure 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 than, a little under um, but
0: it's there yeah yeah
1: I love
6: yeah. that mathematically alive thing
1: yeah, yeah. Me, me too me too I, yeah. I love I'm, it I
6: mathematically could still play
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, I believe
4: you
0: could Ray. but Ray I you
1: could. Ray what in these six games can you really find out about this team is there anything that you can find out or take away you know as you head into next year
6: Yeah, you know, I think, you know, especially with some of the younger players, I still think there's an opportunity to see some improvement, you know, that you can that can hopefully carry over to next year. Uh, And then you also wanted to see what which dudes are going to mail it in and which guys are going to compete because that's going to tell you something, too so you, even though you're out of it mathematically it doesn't mean that you're not getting the paycheck it doesn't mean that you know you don't have a job to do so you still have to go out there and get that job done and so if you want to be on this roster or have a chance to be on the roster or you have you know the the other teams watching this film you still have to put the you still have to put the work in and so i think you know trying to even if it's like short-term improvements, you know, like that you want to see a person do. Maybe there's a technique you just want them to work and be better for the six games over that technique and not even worry about everything else. You know what I'm saying? Like when I work with my kids and we're trying to like work on improvement, I don't give them like five things to do at once. I go, okay, for the next two weeks, let's work on this one thing. And then after two weeks, we'll work on another one thing. And so I think that's what they have to do with this football team and with the individual players or as units and go like, okay, as a unit, what can we do over the next two weeks to, to to improve on what one thing. So these other things may not improve, but this one thing will. And then and then as players you have to do this you have to take that same approach.
1: You know, Ray, I know you've given this a really long time and, and and I think I have an idea where you're gonna go with this, but what is your evaluation been of the decision to move Damian Lewis to the left side? And have Gabe Jackson play the right side, and and has that hurt Damian Lewis's uh, development for this year in his second season?
6: Yeah, you, you know what, I, I think uh, probably trying to accommodate, you know, Gabe and his experience and where he felt comfortable, and then trying to like build. I thought, I think they were trying to build like a one powerful side, and so to have Dwayne Brown and and Damian Lewis beside each other. You thought, like, man, this is going to be something to contend with, but unfortunately, you know, to me, uh, Damian Lewis just kind of slipped a little bit uh, this year, and and this hasn't been consistently the guy that I thought he was going to be. And then and then I think his development was stunted a little bit by Dwayne Brown struggles. I think you know Dwayne Brown just hasn't been the dude that he was that I thought would be able to support and and uplift the play of Damian Lewis. Uh So, I think a combination of that just kind of made the things not work. Switching guard you know guards from right side to the left side uh isn't as big as switching tackles from left to right and so uh I don't know that the switch was that big a deal as much as just. Uh I really do and I know it's late in the season, but I really do think, man, that they needed those reps in the tra- in in, in, uh, in the preseason to kinda of get everybody off to a good start. To have the different people playing in different positions beside different guys and trying to understand what they do and can't do. And I think by missing those reps and then having scripted reps in practice, you just the the chemistry just didn't grow. And, you know, along the offensive line, and uh, and then you know Dwayne missing all of training camp, so I think that really stunted the growth of the offensive line. And then you throw in injuries and people panicking and and things not going you know the way you expected to go, and it just it has just been a it just hasn't been what I expected. And and for me, it's hard to say, Jake. It's hard for me to give up on on the offensive line. It's hard for me to not defend them and all that kind of stuff at this point, man. It, it is it is really like. Each person, each player has to look at themselves in the mirror. It's like the story I told on Twitter about when I had to be brutally honest with myself and not just truthful with myself, but Mm -hmm. I had to be brutally honest with myself about what it was I needed to do uh, to to get better. Or or for me in that situation, I had to hang it up.
0: Yeah, he is Ray Roberts. You can hear Ray on the Seahawks pre and post game show. That's this Sunday at 10 a.m. Thanks so much, Ray.
6: Yeah, thanks for having me. Good to hear from you guys. Thanks, Ray.
0: Bye. All right, the voice of the Seahawks, Steve Rabel, joins us next on The Huddle. Don't go anywhere. This is The Huddle with Dave Wyman, Jake Heaps, and Stacey Ross. We are joined now by the voice of the Seahawks, Steve Rabel, and Raves, there's no Wyman today. He's out sick. Now I have two theories. One, he's lying about being sick because he was too afraid to face you. Or two, he really is sick and he's trying to rest up and save his voice so that he can hang out with you on the call this weekend.
5: Yeah. Wow. I just uh, either one of them is is kind of a a, a dreary thought. Um, <laughs> no, I, I hope he gets well soon. You know, we just just you know just rest, yeah. drink, yeah. eat your chicken soup. That's and, exactly and, right and And relax, and listen to us, and maybe you'll learn something,
1: Dave. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Raves, you could call him what I know you want to call him. You could call him a big baby if you want to.
5: <laughs> well, i I try not to. being one of those guys myself. I try not to I try not to do that.
1: <laughs> Ravel, uh, you know, we, we you look at the game, and obviously, uh, there are many takeaways that you can have with it, but being two offensive guys here, uh what what did you make of the game overall watching it
5: well it was you know it's difficult and and um i guess i i should preface everything i you know people and i get this sometimes and and people i don't go online very often but sometimes i'll go on there and just see what folks are talking about and, and you'll see something like oh rabel he's a homer and all that well you know, I mean, I, I I grew up with this team. I've I played for this team. I've been a part of this team for 46 years now. I want these guys to win. Yeah. So I try to look at things through a, a little more positive uh, prism, uh, perhaps. And so you can't help but feel for these guys because, as you know, Jake, nobody goes out there with the intention of playing lousy and w- losing a football game. Nobody. I mean, it just doesn't happen. You go out there and you – to be at this level, to play in, in the National Football League, you have to be out there leaving it on the line and leaving it on the field every single week. Unfortunately, they don't have the results to show for it, and this is a results-driven business. So in that respect, I, I really feel bad for the guys. I, I Where do you put your finger on it? Well, I, 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 think, I, I think right now it, you can kind of focus it, obviously, on the offense and what we're not getting done, and that's a whole lot of stuff. Uh, but in my estimation, it's a, it's a confidence thing for one. I think Russ has to be more confident in the guys he has in front of him that he's going to be protected. I think he's seeing some rush uh, before it actually materializes, uh, and I think it's taking his focus away from some the guys downfield sometimes that he's trying to throw the ball to. Yeah. He's also not a kid anymore. No matter how healthy he is right now, He's 33 years old, so you can't expect him to react, his body, to do the same thing that he did when he was 23 as a quarterback. I think we, we we just need to be tougher up front. I don't think we're there yet. I think part of it is just guys are nicked up. It's that way for everybody in the league. Um, and you just got to find a way to get over the hump. And I think the other thing, Jake, ultimately you just need one or two big plays. I, that last drive – got me believing in this offense all over again. The two-point conversion hurt, but you know you know it's in them. You know what they can do. Now it's just to go out there and do it.
0: I think, too, um, and I've been wondering this for a while when I see debates about either nothing's wrong with the team, everyone's overreacting, or fire everyone. Like somewhere in the middle yeah. is where most people lie, but right. I think sometimes there's a hesitance to over panic when you've seen a lot of people have been Seahawks fans for a while and they've seen awful versions of this team and the the low lights for this team and I think there's a fear of like throwing the baby out with the bathwater that you make too many changes too many wholesale changes and and what if you get to a place where you don't want to be so I feel like in that way I can kind of understand the very uh thin comb with which people are going through the issues on this team. And
5: and I'll tell you something else, Stace, and this is something that I heard from the first day I got here in 1976 and have basically believed it all the way through and and having seen, you know, more than 45 years of football in this franchise alone, that the difference in talent around the league is not that great. It really isn't and there are a lot of terrific football players all over the league, and the NFL has made sure of that fact. That's The draft is based that way, that the lower-ranking teams get the first of the higher draft choices. So, uh, you, you have to, you know, you have to, at times, be patient. Listen, we've had a decade of great football here. This year, it's just not working out that way for a lot of reasons. Injuries, um, uh, all, all of the above. And you know there are going to be changes next year. Guys for the last six games are going to be playing for their jobs in some cases, and that's the way it's supposed to be. If you're not performing, then they get somebody else in here who can. So uh, I, I don't tend to be part of that group that wants to you know, throw everything out, like you said, and start over. Um, I, I would very much like to see – this group pull it together for the final six games as as I said before because we know they can do it we've seen them do it before
0: all right let's start with one of those games and that is the one coming up this Sunday against the 49ers at home uh when I look at this 49ers team I see uh, a team that can run all over you but still a team with some weaknesses and we've seen those where's maybe uh an area where Seattle has an advantage here or can attack
5: well one thing I'm I'm really grateful for is that Debo Samuel is going to be listening to us on the radio uh, yes, this week, uh, you know, maybe not maybe not us personally, <laughs> oh, but the, I think so. OK. All right. Uh, and, and I know Greg Papa pretty well, the play by play guy for the Niners. So he, so I'm sure Debo will be listening to us. <laughs> um, I I think that that's going to be a real plus for the Hawks. He, he is such a great player. I, and there's so many things that he does for that team offensively. So I hate for guys to be hurt. You always want to play against the very best to prove that you're, uh, you know, the very best team, uh, uh, you know, and as good a team as the other guys. In this case, I'm glad he's not playing. Um, and and he, he is one of those things that I think the Seahawks now can say, okay, he's a guy that we have to devote a certain amount of time to in the game plan just to figure out what he's going to do, how they're going to use him. Take that away. That's one less thing we have to worry about. But you still have Jimmy Garoppolo, who's throwing the ball pretty well right now. They still have Elijah Mitchell in the backfield. He didn't play against us the last time he is a good running back he's a rookie he's tough to bring down he's faster than people think and they love to use him and they're going to use him and all the other running backs on the list and anybody they'll hand it to a a tackle if they can because they like to run the football so (laughs) that is going to be the real key i think for the seahawks this week get up front load up the box and be ready for them to run downhill at you all game long
0: all right, he is the voice of the Seahawks, Steve Rabel. Uh, Rabes, unfortunately, you probably will be joined by Wyman on the call this weekend, but I'm sure it'll still be pretty fun.
5: <laughs> well, uh, wish him the best when you talk to him. Tell him to get well. I will, I will. And, Stace, you sound like you— uh... I know.
0: There's something going around the whole <laughs> yeah. station. Jake had it. I have it. Wyman uh, I, has it. None of us w- are Well, great. get
5: well. I, I, I tell you the old secret the, from the old country that always worked for me. <laughs> uh, tylenol and whiskey.
0: I'll, I'll try it. I'll, I'll try it, Raves.
5: Perfect.
4: <laughs>
0: All right, talk to you later. Thanks, right, Raves. Guys. He is CJ. the voice of the Seahawks, Steve Rabel. Coming up next, we are stepping across opponent lines. We're going to have an opponent preview with Nick Wagner of ESPN. Don't go anywhere. Welcome back to The Huddle with Dave Wyman, Jake Heaps, and Stacey Ross. We are joined now, stepping across enemy lines, by ESPN NFL reporter Nick Wagner. He covers the San Francisco 49ers this week's opponent for the Seahawks. Nick, how's it going?
7: I'm doing well,
0: Stacy. How are you? Uh, fantastic. I've actually, uh, you know, were we not uh, talking about a team that's about to face the 49ers, I, I might otherwise really enjoy watching this team because they've kind of been a bit of a surprise. I, Nick, I've got to be honest, I'd, I'd written them off a little bit. Uh, I, I thought people were doubting them and, 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 or excuse me, I thought people overhyped them and then felt a little validated by that. But here they are kind of, you know, bouncing back into this thing, becoming a headache for teams that are trying to really contend Uh What's been really working out for them?
7: Yeah, you shouldn't apologize for doubting them. They had a <laughs> thank you. Uh, I apologize a very, for nothing. A very, <laughs> absolutely. They had a really ugly loss a few weeks ago, one that Seattle fans can actually relate to, where they lost to the Cardinals B team, at least the varsity off, or yes. the junior varsity offense, um, and, and that was really the low point. I, I think a lot of people at that point said, "Okay, this team." You know, they they had lost, they had a four-game losing streak, they beat Chicago, and then they turned around and lost that game. And I think a lot of people were saying, okay, this is just going to, this is going to get ugly. It's going to get worse before it gets better. But I actually think that loss has somehow galvanized them in in a way. Um, But I think the bigger thing is, is that it got them kind of back to their basics, back to the things that... They did well in the 2019 season when they had so much success and went to the Super Bowl. Kyle Shanahan started running the ball more. They got back to some of the more creative ways to run the ball, including getting Debo Samuel involved as a running back. Um, And then the defense uh, started playing a little better. They haven't been dominant, certainly not like that 2019 group, but Mm. they've been getting takeaways. And, And honestly, that's really been... The other big thing that they have turned around is I think they were minus nine through that Arizona game. They were toward the bottom of the league in turnover differential. Over the last three weeks, they've been plus five. And it's not a coincidence. We all know that turnovers are one of the biggest indicators of winning and losing in the league, and they have turned that around and you've seen some of the success here recently.
0: Nick, I guarantee you that Pete Carroll falls asleep at night looking at that game between the 49ers and Rams thinking yes, run it 44 times. This is the way. Like <laughs> They can absolutely do this. But uh, the thing is, and I'm sure Seattle's a little green with envy, uh, despite having running back injuries, San Francisco has been able to find a way to make it work. I mean, uh, Elijah Mitchell has been fantastic. My fantasy team mm-hmm. thanks him uh, no matter what they, they found a way to make it happen what's what's been working for them
7: yeah I think I think first of all a lot of it goes back to kind of that creativity and you know they lost Raheem Mostert, who was supposed to be their starter and their primary guy in week one very early in week one against Detroit and then a lot of people were surprised that Elijah Mitchell was kind of second man up but you know if you want people who paid attention in training camp and kind of watch that play out he had outplayed Trey Sermon um, but I think the thing that has surprised the most is that Mitchell gives them a more physical element than anyone expected. I wrote about this yesterday, actually, on ESPN.com. And Trent Williams, the, the the all-world left tackle for the for the Niners, was talking about how you know when he was a freshman in college at Oklahoma, Adrian Peterson ran up on him, you know, and they kind of had an accidental collision, and it decleated Trent Williams. Well, the only other time he's been run into by one of his own running backs and took friendly fire like that and felt it and said, "Like holy crap, who was that?" <laughs> it was Elijah Mitchell against Chicago on, nice. on Halloween in, in Chicago. So uh, he gives them a little bit more of a physical element than people expected. He's fast too, but not as fast as Mostert. So it's a little different style. But working Debo Samuel into the backfield, where you know Debo was second in the league in receiving yards for most of the, you know, I think it was the first eight or nine weeks of the season. And then teams started rolling coverages his way, trying to take it away. Well, the Niners said, well, he's one of our best players. We want to make sure he gets the ball. So they line them up in the backfield and there's no way to stop him getting the ball that way. And so um, all those different things that have kind of played in and some of the creativity has played into that as well. But Elijah Mitchell has really been a big find for them and I think really been kind of the guy that has made it all go.
0: Russell Wilson's had the distinct displeasure of having a couple nightmare matchups in this division. You've got Aaron Donald in L.A. Uh, obviously Chandler Jones, when he's been healthy in Arizona, has just been a nightmare mm-hmm. for Seattle's offensive line. Nick Bosa, uh, the obvious one to point to in San Francisco. Are they using him uh, differently this year out
7: there? Yeah, no. You know what's really interesting is is this this whole team has kind of been built around their defensive line, but it hasn't been the strong point that they hoped it would be. And a lot of that is is you know a couple of years ago they traded to Forrest Buckner. They had some injuries. D Ford hasn't been able to stay healthy. Um, Javon Kinlaw, who was the first round pick that they used, the pick that they got from Buckner trade on him and he's been hurt. He's on injured reserve. So they haven't got a lot of that, but so Bosa has been really getting a ton of attention in terms of edge rushers. He gets double teamed more than anybody in the league, but the big thing for him has been kind of trying to figure out how to attack those double teams because when Buckner was there, for example, they you know our offenses had to kind of pick their poison so it was you know who are you doubling between Buckner and Bosa more often than not it was Buckner because he's inside it's a little easier to do that Mm -hmm. but Bosa had to kind of have that like wake up moment of like all right this is just going to be my life this is my lot in life now I'm going to be double peed all the time (laughs) how do I get through this and I think he's figured it out you've seen Uh, 11 sacks in 11 games, you know, career high already um, above the nine that he had in 2019 as a rookie. And um, he's only getting better. And I I think the thing that would really help him is if he got more help from that group. Eric Armstead's been solid as a pass rusher inside, but there hasn't been somebody else who's like, you know, his tag team partner that you can count on every week. So if that happens, I think both of them, the game could go to an even higher level, which is Pretty crazy to think about considering how good he's been this year.
0: You guys are listening to the huddle. We're taking a step across enemy lines here, talking to uh, Nick Wagner of ESPN for an opponent preview. Nick, tell us what we need to know health-wise for this 49ers team.
7: Yeah, there's a couple of big ones this week. And uh, first of all, a guy we talked about a lot, Debo Samuel, dealing with a groin injury. He's not going to play this week. Oof. Fred Warner, their their all-star middle linebacker, uh, also out. He's dealing with a hamstring injury. So. Both of those guys, the good news for the Niners, neither one of them looks like a long-term thing, one or two weeks at most. um, But you're not going to have them this week, so good for Seattle in in that regard. So those are really the big ones. I think everything else, um, there's a couple things that are up in the air, but nothing that um, I think would have a huge impact on the outcome of the game. The other thing I will say, though, is in addition to Fred Warner, the Niners are really thin at linebacker right now. Drake Greenlaw is dealing with a core muscle injury He's day-to-day. Marcel Harris, their starting strong side linebacker, uh, is dealing with a concussion. He's in the concussion protocol. So if they don't have all three of those guys, they're going to be down to Aziz Shair, who has been kind of a revelation for them, been very good. But other than him, you're going to be looking at undrafted guys like Demetrius Flanagan Fowles or even Tyrell Adams called up from the practice squad. So um, there may be some opportunities for the Seahawks to kind of make hay at that second level.
1: One of the other things that I wanted to ask you about is uh, Jimmy Garoppolo. I mean, w- w- how has how he, he done so far this season? And really, how has this been this season been viewed by 49ers fans in terms of the direction of that the franchise will be going in in regards to him and and Trey Lance and Kyle Shanahan and uh, how he's developed this quarterback situation.
7: Yeah, to to the first part of that, Garoppolo has been very good lately. Um, And I think in the last five games, he's had a 90-plus quarterback rating in all of them, four of those over 100. Um, But the big thing for him has been taking care of the ball. He threw a bad interception last week against the Vikings, but other than that, has been pretty good with ball security here lately. And that goes back to the turnover thing we talked about earlier. Um, And and the run game has been so good that it it has only put him in good position. So in a lot of, you know, he's been very good on third down, but he's getting a lot of favorable third down opportunities, third and two, third and three, things like that. And I think that's kind of what you want him to be. You don't want to have to ask him to carry the freight. I do think there's going to come a time where that's probably going to be the case. They're going to need him to step up and, Uh, offer a big performance and in 2019 he was able to do that when the Niners won will he be able to do that this year kind of remains to be seen and then on the bigger picture of it all I think the Niners are in a position right now where they they really at their core wanted to follow the Chiefs blueprint, blueprint from 2017 when they had Alex Smith as the veteran they had drafted Patrick Mahomes They wanted to give Mahomes as much time as possible to sit and learn before throwing him into the fire. The Niners never came out and outwardly said that they hinted at it a few times, but I think we're kind of seeing it play out now. And Kyle Shanahan was talking this week about how, you know, earlier in the season, they wanted to work Trey Lance in as, you know, just in packages, certain spots. And Kyle Shanahan said, as he was trying to do that, he was realizing it was kind of throwing off his rhythm as a play caller because the two quarterbacks are so different. So, the offense would get rolling doing something, and then you'd switch to Lance, and it might might throw that rhythm off. So there's all these things that are kind of playing into it. I still think at the end of the day what you're seeing right now is maybe the last ride of Jimmy Garoppolo as a 49er, so to speak. Um, he's going to get a chance to ride this, this season until the wheels fall off, I think. Um, And then in the offseason, I I still think everything is pointing in the direction of this thing's going to get turned over to Trey Lance, who's still the future here.
1: Nick, what is the view of everybody with Kyle Shanahan? Uh, To me, it seems uh, that it's been a very up-and-down season. There's no doubt about that. But but overall, uh, he's gotten things back on track. So does everybody feel okay about him at this point? But uh, what's your take on that?
7: Yeah, it's funny. It's one of those things that if you had asked me three weeks ago, I would have given you a completely different answer, but here <laughs> we are a, in the middle of a three-game winning streak. But you know how it is, and, and, and I understand it with fans in the NFL because there's only 17 of these things. There used to be 16 of these things, and so overreacting to a loss is a little makes a little bit more sense than if you're in the NBA or Major League Baseball or something where you get so many more more craft at it. But I, I think people also are smart enough to realize that, it's always the question anytime you're talking about a coach, if you're moving off from a coach, who are you going to get that's better and Kyle Shanahan had them in the Super Bowl you know just two years ago, and two thousand and twenty was an abomination, but it was an abomination on a lot of levels for a lot of people and 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 not just in football and and so they had so many injuries last year that it was hard to even really kind of take that in take that seriously. Now, I realize that you're judged on your body of work but I think Jed York is really patient. You know, Kyle Shanahan and and John Lynch just recently after that Super Bowl run signed long-term extension. So I don't think he's going anywhere. I think that people are realizing again, like, hey, he just needs to kind of get back to what works. That's what's happened over the last few weeks. And I think it says a lot, too, that his team has responded. Um, when he when he put the challenge to them after losing that Arizona game,
0: he covers the 49ers for ESPN. It's Nick Wagner. Make sure you're following him too. I wouldn't normally tell you guys all this, but in the NFC West, you got to keep your eye on what's going on at N Wagner. Nick, thanks so much for joining us.
7: Thanks for having me. Take care. Thanks, thanks, Nick.
0: All right, don't go anywhere. We're gonna share our final thoughts next on the huddle. This is the huddle with Dave Wyman, Jake Heaps, and Stacey Rost. Getting you guys ready for the Seahawks' upcoming opponent, that being the San Francisco 49ers, a chance to get right. Now, the playoff odds, technically, still there, but really what this team is playing for is a chance to just get on the right track, right? Figure out what they can do, what they need to fix. Right. Uh, and most importantly, just uh, I would imagine there's a feeling of wanting to help. Um, the, the feeling around uh, the team, right? Like, you you want a feeling of winning. These are professionals. Uh, and you have an opportunity here against San Francisco, Jake. So, let's wrap up this preview with some of our final thoughts. I asked Steve Rabel, hey, where are the 49ers weak? Where's an area where Seattle, where Seattle can attack? And he said, well, one good thing is they aren't going to have some of their best weapons with Fred Warner and Debo Samuel out. Where's another area you look at and say, you know what? Seattle's got a chance.
1: Well, I mean, the other one that you point to is Fred Warner being out. And the star middle linebacker for the San Francisco 49ers who got a massive payday this offseason and actually surpassed Bobby Wagner as the highest paid middle linebacker in the league and and you look at that contract and it's very well deserving in terms of his play what he brings to the table in the run game and also in the passing game as well I mean he is one of the better cover middle linebackers in the league and um, and I think that that part of it is something that you can't understate how important he is to that defense.
0: Sorry, I'm just I'm still uh laughing um we just had a really funny conversation with Rabe's. um now when you're looking at uh you know where Seattle needs to improve, quite obviously they need to <laughs>
5: could
1: it have anything to do with the shirt that Jake is wearing can underneath we, his jacket
0: say it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, for everybody out there <laughs> behind I the scenes, uh, you need to pull it together, Ross, okay? Uh, for everybody out there, we have, we have a hit that we do at Cairo, uh, Stacy, so and I, awful. on Saturday. Um, and uh, I forgot that we had it, so it's a TV oh, hit, God. and I don't have a, a button-up jacket or a button-up uh, uh, shirt. And so our, our friend Taylor Jacobs, uh, who is here, uh,
0: I'm sorry, no, puts
1: sorry. together great content. He, we went, he went and grabbed me one of his shirts. And I tried to put it on and it is very, very tight, very tight. Not going to work.
0: Okay. Okay. Uh, you know, can we get to, I, I, obviously I want to look ahead to this team. Can we get to the story that you were too afraid to tell Cody Barton?
1: Um, sure. Uh, yeah, Let's I end mean, on a
0: light note. I think I think we all need some laughter. We need a feel good moment. Well, okay. And you know so what makes me feel good? Quarterbacks falling.
1: <laughs> if quarterbacks falling, or how about breaking my ankle? Yes. Uh, yeah. So my my freshman year when I was at Skyline High School, uh, I was the quarterback and the punter. And there was conversation. Okay, well, you know, let's not have him punt. And it, the, you know, our head coach at the time, who's now the defensive coordinator, rightfully said, "Are you kidding me? He's pl- he's playing punter. He sh- he can't get hurt doing that." <laughs> and so, I our very first game, we went and played, and super jacked up about it. You know, first high school football game, and we're playing Bellevue. Big deal. Big rivalry. And uh, and lo and behold, we have to go punt our, the very first punt of the of the season, and. Um, and they are actually so I kick it and the guy's actually making a return to the point where I have to go make the tackle and I'm like oh wow okay so I got to I got to really go make this tackle so I go to make the tackle I'm right there he jukes me out of my socks to the point where he broke my ankle literally no! broke my ankle and my foot got planted in one way, tried to go the other way, and just it just popped. And uh, from that point on, I've uh, no never, never played special teams, never uh, heard the end of it. And uh, and Ryan Thorson, who's uh, always a longtime defensive coordinator, uh, uh, still to this day, uh, whenever I see him, it's always, a, it's always a funny joke between the two of us. You
0: know, ending on actually a positive note, and I mean this genuinely, you know what's been great for Seattle this year? Special teams. They've uh, been fantastic.
1: They've been they've been good. I mean, I, I wouldn't say they've been fantastic. I think that they've been good in spots, and I think that what the things that they have done though is, I think they've done a good job setting the tone. I think that they've done a good job of in in punt coverage, uh, in particular, running down there and really flipping the field. Michael Dixon being great in that aspect, um, and, and Nick Bellore and Cody Barton and those guys. I, I think they've done a really good job um, in, in, in the punt game.
0: All right. Now that we are settled and we're looking ahead at San Francisco, um, I I just really do want to focus on the third downs. I started going to it, and then I completely broke down. So I do want to get back to third downs. Um, It is one of the most baffling things about this team, Jake, because it is so confusing to see an offense that has so many weapons. And I know that – um, not all of it is uh, up to par with what they'd want, but you've got Russell Wilson, you've got DK Metcalf, you've got Tyler Lockett, Alex Collins has been great for you, um, and and they've struggled so much there. Uh, if there is a lesson to be taken from Washington heading into San Francisco, what is it?
1: I, I, honestly, I don't really have a great answer for you. I mean, th- I think that's the state of the current affairs for yeah. this yeah. offense is, is that there's not one thing that you could point to and say, My goodness, uh, how are they not doing this more? My goodness, when they were in this situation, they did extremely well. And I think that one of the other things that you point to is, you know, everybody will look at the end of the game and the two-minute drive and all that. But, you know, look, Washington's playing prevent defense. They're not going for it. Not that They're not going for it, but they're playing a specific style that allows you to easily drive the field. So it's not a a super real indication as to, what would be successful for the majority of the game. So when you look at this as a whole, I mean, I think that um, the, the Seahawks offense, they have to establish a rhythm. They have to establish a rhythm of some kind, whether it's on the ground or through the air, uh, to be able to get themselves an opportunity to consistently drive down the field, and when you play the San Francisco 49ers, the one thing that you can, you can count on is that it's going to be a physical game. It's going to be a battle, and Dave Wyman is not here to to say it. So but I'll say was. it for him. Thank you. Is you need to be violent, and you need to be physical, and you need to be more physical than your opponent. And in terms of a rivalry game like this with the San Francisco 49ers, that absolutely applies here.
0: All right, very last question. We get to this every single week. Your player to watch in this one. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and go. I mean, it's easy, and I'm stealing it from you maybe, but I'm going Russell Wilson. The the pressure is on him. Uh, He's under the spotlight, just as he is every single week anyway, and any quarterback is, but you really got to get better on those third down numbers, and you know that he's capable of it you know this offense is capable of being better than they have been let's hope that they can get it done this Sunday
1: uh, I I would say that uh, it's not a, pac- a specific player but I'm going to say a group and I'm going right. to say the offensive line I mean I I, I, I am very surprised that we are sitting here today with this offensive line and saying that this group has not played well and especially up to this point point. Um, and uh, it, it, the film the film doesn't lie as, as Pete Carroll said this week, and, uh, and I think that the offensive line has really underperformed in the trenches, and that has to change in order for this offense to have a chance to put something together, and, and really, as you have a quarterback and an offense from a passing perspective that is struggling and trying to get things going, um, get, allowing that guy to have more space and to find his comfort is going to be a really big deal for this offense in the next six games. And the offensive line can definitely help out in that area.
0: This has been the huddle with Dave Wyman, Jake Heaps and Stacy Rost. Obviously we'll talk to you guys next week. In the meantime, you're going to have a one PM kickoff at Lumen field this Sunday. Seahawks against San Francisco 49ers. As a reminder, that pregame show that starts at 10 AM, make sure you're tuning in for that, uh, to learn everything you need to know about this game. Nice way to get ready for it and stick around for the postgame show where you're going to hear from Pete Carroll, from players, all that good stuff. Uh, uh, and then uh, thank you once again to everyone who joined us today. An awesome huddle. It's, it's not an easy spot for this team, but we had so many great conversations. Cody Barton, D. Eskridge, thank you to them. John Boyle, Ray Roberts, Steve Rabel to everyone. This has been The Huddle.